Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, I know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? The Chris Johnston Show, powered by Sports Interaction. Want to bet? What is going on? Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. CJ, it feels very quiet when it comes to NHL news, as opposed to some of the episodes we had last week where, you know, we're looks like Brad Living could be the GM of, of the Toronto Maple Leafs, and then Craig Conroy taking over in, in Calgary, and 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 Pittsburgh, what's going to happen in Pittsburgh? And 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 what about the ownership sale in Ottawa? That's also a story we haven't. I know we we touched on in the episode we did together, but I know we've 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 mentioned it, but maybe not as much as some of the other ones. But now on a Monday, on a Monday, it sort of feels quiet. But maybe I'm speaking too soon. Well, it's because you just come through Memorial Day weekend in the U.S. Weather's nice. Lots of things going on, but you know, all the dominoes you mentioned there, I still think they're all lined up to fall. Um, you know, certainly when it comes to the, the general manager front office searches, I think that there's, there's a real urgency to get those wrapped up quickly. You know, when it comes to the Senator sale, you know, I, I do think it's something that could happen quite fast. And I know the media in Ottawa has been reporting, like they're almost doing poor guys are down there doing day to day, you know, <laughs> it, it, today's going to be the day. I think it's tough. To say that, you know, I think there's been some discussion, maybe even about the possibility of blending some of the groups um, that have have come forward with offers. Not saying that's going to happen, but, you know, that's a process. If you're the NHL, you don't want to rush, right? I mean, ideally, you really want to get the exact right ownership piece in place. You know, obviously, when we talk about the Senators and you want that group to be in a position to move forward and build a new arena and, and secure the franchise's stability for a long, long period of time. And so I, I think that there's there's no reason to hasten your way through that decision. And, you know, then there's there's a number of coaching uh, vacancies around the league. And then Columbus, in the next few days, is likely to name its head coach. We still need to find out about the Rangers, the Washington Capitals, uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs on some level, once once there's a decision made on their general manager, whether or not Sheldon Kiefel will be sticking around, I think, is a question. So, it's it's look, it's going to be a newsy June. Don't let these these quiet couple days where everyone's trying to enjoy their weekends fool you. I think that uh, there's there's a fair bit to come here. Happy uh, Memorial Day uh, for uh, everyone who celebrates. Uh, of course, it's a Monday for us in Canada, but in the states, uh, it is Memorial Day. Thank you for pointing that out. Uh, thinking about it for for choosing, what do you, is there like a team that you think might come? to a quicker decision on any of their uh, vacancies sooner than the other? Is there a team that you think is closer in the search than the other? It's tough to say, you know, I think that obviously I pay a lot of attention to what's going on with the Maple Leafs, you know, at this point in time, I'm not sure they've talked to a whole lot of candidates. I mean, we, we we've talked about Brad true living uh, and, and, you know, obviously interest with him and him being, you know, meeting face to face with, with the Leafs. Um, you know, there's been a lot of names thrown around attached to the Leafs. And at this point in time, I don't know that they've talked to all those names. And so 
it's a hard one to to give moment by moment analysis on because you know obviously there's a, a fair amount of secrecy around the process and and I don't have full clarity there so I you know I, I know that they didn't intend to take a long time they're basically at the start of the second week of what we might call the search or the or the period where they're they're making that decision and so I I wouldn't think it's too much longer and then you know Kyle Dubas has been in Pittsburgh meeting with the Penguins so you know it doesn't guarantee of course until until the ink's dry on a contract nothing's official but you, you get the feeling that you know, that situation is getting closer to the end. So, you know, it might end up being a, a photo finish. I do think, you know, you're really getting your front office in place is imperative. Given the timelines, I think the coaching decisions can wait. I, you know, I've, as I mentioned, I, I know there's some teams out there that are curious about whether Sheldon Keefe will become available. So, you know, we might see the coaching carousel drag on a little bit longer, but I think those those front office searches, you know, probably get done here in the next few days. I still think Kyle Dubas in Ottawa would be such a cool story, even though it would be very uh, – I'm sure a lot of these fans would not like that. Right. Well, and, and who knows how that's going to break down. I mean, maybe the new owner in Ottawa is comfortable with Pierre Dorian. I mean, we, we just don't know. I mean, when you don't know who the owner is, it's it's hard to predict. And I think if, if you could put yourself in Kyle Dubas' shoes, you know, maybe Ottawa might be viewed as, as a more favorable place just because obviously they've got the makings of a really – you know, encouraging young team, you know, still goes down the highway in Ontario. I believe Kyle might've grown up a Senators fan. There's certainly been talk about that. Um, mm. But you can't pick and choose your job, frankly, at this, in this league. Like, I think it's so difficult to get any of these jobs. If, if you got a chance to get one, it's probably wise to do it as long as it makes sense for you and your family. So um, I'm with you from a storyline standpoint, uh, it would be pretty, pretty juicy, but you know, I just I don't know what the intention is of, of whoever's going to own that team just yet. And, and some, it might take a little while, too. I mean, sometimes all those changes don't happen right away. And so I'm, I'm not sure that Kyle can can wait just in case Ottawa opens up, especially because, I mean, the chance to, to work for a company like the Fenway Sports Group is I mean, that's that's pretty special. I would would think if you're in, in Kyle's shoes, just given I know he pays attention to all the other sports, they own other teams, you know, in terms of the ability maybe to, to even trade best practices and, and, you know, try to innovate even more in terms of things, how things go in running a team or evaluating players or whatever it may be. You know, it's a pretty appealing opportunity, I would think. And that's, that's probably why he's had the discussions he's had with them and why we do expect them, you know, eventually to, to take a job there. Fenway. Yes. Fenway sports group does have a lot of money, but the, the, the allure of, of being in charge of your own hometown team and, and and running that team as they're just on the cusp of being a playoff team, potentially a perennial playoff contender. And I get it. Pierre Dorian is there. But if you're the Ottawa Senators and Kyle Dubas is showing interest, I'm very curious about how they would go about that. We're obviously speaking hypotheticals, but still. Well, Kyle Dubas already ran his hometown team, the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds. That was, that was his first Right. That's true. Yes. Yes, he and did. So, and and trust me, he, he would not let you forget that if he was part of this conversation. So He's, he's already run his, his hometown team. He ran the biggest Sorry, team yes. in the league that's close to his hometown. I mean, I think now it's about trying to win a Stanley Cup. And, and you know, he's, what, 37 years old. There's no reason to think he can't have a career like David Poyles had. I mean, I, I don't know what the future holds, but there's a chance he's, you know, running teams for the next 20 years in this league. Um, so you're right. It, it, it's – I do get – why everyone's connected those dots. I, I would understand why he would perhaps have interest, but I just don't know that. I don't think you can wait. It, 
I don't think you can just sit around and assume that that door is going to open up uh, unless you, maybe he's got an inside track on who's going to own a team. Maybe he can have, or his agent or whatever could have some of those conversations, but you know, we'll just have to see how it shakes out here. Sorry. I should have said boyhood team, not hometown team, but still <laughs> like it's, hey, I'm just correcting the record. Cause I know he would want that. Yes. Yes. So. Yes. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, <laughs> yes. You won't find uh, but someone also, more proud to be from Sault Ste. Marie than Kyle. Yes, absolutely. Also, it, it's Monday. It's first thing in the morning. These things happen. Uh, at the time they record this, you all know we record these on Monday morning. Um, one other thing before we get to sports interaction, and then we're going to go heavy on questions uh, for this Monday edition. Did you watch Matthew Kachuk on Inside uh, the NBA on TNT over the weekend? Yeah, Shaq, we don't have home ice advantage. We got in by one <laughs> I loved it. I watched the whole interview. It was great. Yeah, I did too. I thought it was cool to see him uh like that like TNT has the rights to the NBA playoffs and the Stanley Cup playoffs and that was just a perfect crossover of both of their entities. You get a, a very talked about player in Matthew Kachuk uh getting to hang out with some of the best arguably the best panel in in sports, at least in North America, or at least the most entertaining, you could say that. And he seemed very comfortable. Uh, I thought the questions were okay. And it, it was a good six or seven minutes. And I enjoyed it. It was it was fun. It was it was about as much as I expected. And Matthew got a chance to rep the elbow room with his t-shirt. So I mean it was he a, did. It, it was a win all around. Yeah, I mean it's look at it's lined up perfect with Miami being in the Eastern Conference final and, and the Miami Heat. Although we'll see if that lasts they, they, they uh, are, are clenching at a, a loss from the jaws of victory right now, potentially. My God. But, I mean, you know, the, the synergy there made sense. I mean, the game was in Miami that, you know, obviously Kachuk plays for a team based in South Florida. Uh, TNT is going to do the Stanley Cup final this year. Um, you know, I, I, I liked it, though. I, th- I thought Matthew acquitted himself well. It's funny. He's, he's probably getting tired of the Jason Tatum questions at this point. I mean, I've seen a number of features over the years. I mean, it is cool to have two star athletes in different sports that, you know, went to high school together and they got this goofy video that goes around, but um, you know, I guess you'd expect that question. Um, But yeah, it was, it was, it was a good, good bit of production for the NHL. And I mean, look, we've talked about, I think Matthew Kachuk's star has risen to a new level these last few weeks and months. And, uh, you know, he's got a chance to really put a cherry on top when the Stanley Cup uh, Finals gets going next weekend. You're right about the Jason Tatum thing. Like, the more I see him get asked about that, the more I'm inclined to think that they were just classmates. Like, people who just kind of – like, it happens where you, you go to high school or you go to school or whatever. You kind of know of this person. And you're not really, like, friends, but then you realize they're, like, famous. You're like, oh, yeah, we went to, to school together. Like, you're 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 cool. Like, it's it's – I think it's more like that compared to like them being boys. That's what I'm now realizing between Matthew Kachuk and Jason Tatum. And that's okay. Are you suggesting they have beef? No, 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 no. I just want to put words. Very different story. Very different. It's like if it's like if you went to school with Justin Williams. Like you both you're both you're both Cobert people, right? Yeah. I mean it is similar in the sense that obviously we know each other, but we were never best buddies or you know what I mean? Like exactly. We weren't spending lots of time hanging out, but we've known each other. We've been aware of each other for a long time, and then our careers have crossed, too. It you know, makes sense. Yeah, I would never say that you would just Williams had beef. <laughs> no, not, <laughs> not that I'm aware of, anyway. 
Ah, so it's cool. It, it happens. It's a it's a cool story. It's a cool link. But like, yeah, I'm, I'm realizing more and more. I like. I was under the impression the first time I heard about that story, they're like, oh, okay, like they're boys, like they're cool. But like, the only record we have is that video. But that's okay. I know that's fine. With Matthew Kachuk just like weirdly in the background, just sort of dancing away. <laughs> Man, uh, have I asked you who the most famous person you've ever met is? No, I don't know how to, I don't even know how you gauge that. I mean say you go to almost any okay, in terms of like if you rank every celebrity you've met, and I guess the way you gauge that is like if you go to any other part of the world and you mention this name. Well, the, it might the be best Wayne Gretzky, of it honestly. It might have to be Wayne. I know you I know you've met Wayne, but I've wondered if it was like Wayne or if there was anybody else. I think it might have to be Wayne. I mean, I met John Hamm. I don't know. Is he famous? Like, he's famous, but I don't know how famous he is. He might not be Wayne Gretzky famous. I mean, my whole, most of my list, if I were to sit down and really do this as an exercise, would be all athletes. Because even, you know, I've met tons of golfers. I mean, I've met Tiger Woods. So I guess, I mean, that's probably Tiger Woods would be my guess. Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods is very famous. Like, it would be hard for me. I haven't met Michael Jordan. I'm just trying to think of the most famous athletes because I haven't met a lot of, like, A-list celebrities. I've met a lot of C-list kind of actors or actresses, but I haven't, I haven't met, like, Harrison John Ford. A-list. Is he? Well, even I mean, then, I met him through an NHL thing. You know what I mean? Like, because he's around the St. Louis Blues a lot. Yeah, but also, like, Mad Men was pretty successful. He's done some pretty successful movies. I would, unless I'm wrong, you can write in the comments, I would think John Hamm is an A-list celebrity. What's the guy's name that played Carlton in Fresh Prince of Bel-Air? Alfonso Ribeiro. I read Alfonso Ribeiro once. We were in line on a flight delay, and we were both, like, waiting to, to get changed to new flights, and we had a chat. He was on a baby oh, that's moon. nice. He was on a what? A baby moon. Like, I think his pregnant partner and him got away. Like, it's like oh. a honeymoon, but for when someone's pregnant. I've never heard of a baby moon in my life. That's a thing. Don't worry. That's you'll, a you'll thing. Get, you'll get older, young man, and your friends will start having kids, or you might be doing that yourself. Whatever, not, not going to race the conclusions, but you'll start <laughs> to hear that as you get older. <laughs> I've never heard any of my friends do baby boot like they go like a, it's like a honey boot, but like with your kids. I've never. Heard well, no, you're not with your kid. It's it's with your unborn child usually. Anyway, don't ask any more questions. Google it when we're done. <laughs> Okay. It's, a, it's a thing it is a thing is all i'm saying I, I i don't doubt that for a second let's just get to sports interaction and uh let's do uh an enlarged version of ask cj thank you to everyone who sent in questions over twitter and on discord i can't promise we'll have any baby moon questions but now we have something to look up you can bet that with david bastel brought to you by sports interaction Get in the action and make a play. 19 plus. Please play responsibly. Welcome to another edition of You Can Bet That. And remember to hit up sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN for all of your gaming needs. Dallas versus Vegas. Does that series go to a game seven? It's looking like, according to Sports Interaction, at a minus 128, it could go to seven. Uh, The fact that it could end in six, uh, it could be a plus 114. Uh, how do you see this series shaking up, Siege? Well, how things have changed over the weekend. We recorded, what, Thursday morning, Thursday afternoon, and we were almost sick, and it's a foregone conclusion. Vegas is through to the cup final. Now we got some intrigue. And, 
you know, with the Stars playing this game on home ice, game six, I mean, you have to like them to at least push it to seven. I'm not, I'm not sure if they can come all the way back, but they got some of the momentum going in their favor. Jason Robertson's really woken up in this series. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I have a hard time seeing their season end on home ice. I just think if you, if you've crawled this far back, I, I, I think we're going to get a game seven in the Western Conference final. I really do. That would be so fun, man. Coming back from a 3-0 deficit and you force a game seven. I don't know how many times it's happened where both the NBA and the NHL have a series that has a team clawing back from a 3-0 series deficit. Like, that's exciting. Like, that's fun. We were at a point where it looked like every series uh, between uh, the conference finals and the NBA and the NHL were going to end in sweeps. And now we have a situation where at least two of those series, there's a chance we could have both of those series have a team come back from a 3-0 deficit. I love that reality. Well, and it's wild because it's never happened in the NBA where a team successfully came back and won down 0-3. It's only happened three times in NHL history. I mean, there's a chance both of those, like two notable additions in the historical record books could happen in the same couple of days. Um, but let's not get put the cart before the horse. I think Vegas still like their team, but I, I just think Dallas might have found something. And it's kind of surprising to me, to be honest, more – it doesn't happen more often just because I do think momentum in a series can be a thing. And, and all of a sudden you're down three, not nothing. You're left for dead. Okay. You win one and then you win two. And, and you can see how the dynamic shifts within the series in terms of pressure expectations. Um, anyway, I, 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 I like Dallas to at least push it to seven. I don't, I don't know what happens then. It'd be hard for me to, to go against the gold Knights. I think overall in the series still, but I, I think we get a, a two more games before the Stanley cup final starts for what it's worth. Vegas still favored uh, over the Dallas stars to win the series uh, at uh, minus three thirty three. Dallas plus two eighty one to win that series. Uh, don't forget to check out sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN for all the best odds before game in game and the best props sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN. It's Monday. So it's time for ask CJ a segment of our show that still never got that theme song. Year three, <laughs> season three, buddy. Dare to dream. Yeah, something, some, uh, someone, somewhere, maybe we'll find a theme song that works. But uh, again, uh, thank you uh, for people who send in questions. Uh, they could be just anybody on Twitter or anybody on Discord, or they could be people who were once verified. Uh, how about a guy like Marc Dumont, uh, who you can sometimes see on uh, Game Over Montreal with Andrew Berkshire. His question, how close are the Carolina Hurricanes to entering the can't-get-it-done-in-the-playoffs conversation like the Leafs and the Oilers? Fair question, I suppose. But, I mean, I, I the one thing about Carolina, and I don't have all the numbers in front of me, Carolina's at least won multiple rounds. They've been to two conference finals in recent memory. They've been into the second round a bunch of times. I mean, I'm not sure I would group them with with Toronto specifically. I mean, the conversation in Toronto is seven straight years in the playoffs, one series victory. Uh, they, they almost have more of the feel of like San Jose in years gone by in, in the past generation or, or these teams that have just been very, very good for a long time. And, and you're just like, can they take one more step? Because it's, it's really all that's missing for Carolina. So I, I think that they're on the verge of that. Um, but I think it's five straight years they'd won at least one playoff round 
and in a couple of them now, including this year, they won two. So I, I, I see them as a little different than Toronto. I mean, Edmonton at least did get to the Western Conference final last year. Um, and I get he's maybe being a little bit cheeky with the, with the question because there's obviously a different reaction or, or different volume around the, the Canadian teams. But, you know, specific to the Leafs, let's face it, winning one playoff round out of seven years, like that, that, that is a different, that's a different thing than winning every year at least one, sometimes two, you know, I guess Washington was kind of like that. Like that's the thing with the Ovechkin era capitals, they'd often be the best regular season team or one of them. And they'd win like one round, but couldn't get past round two. I mean, look, the narratives happen for a reason. Can't win in the playoffs. I get it. Um, but I, I still think Carolina, I, I put them ahead of Toronto and Edmonton because they've, they've been closer more consistently. Even if the Carolina Hurricanes have not won a conference final game since 2002? Yes, because that's, that's, I mean, that's a strange bit of trivia. In the 2009 sweep to Pittsburgh, when Evgeny Malkin was on like another planet, um, obviously no one involved with that has anything to do with it today, except I guess Rod Brindamore probably was a player on that team, maybe. I can't remember the timeline. Um, but for the, you know, obviously it's, it's a new, it's a new team. These last, like you got to look at the last five years kind of as this version of the hurricanes. Um, look, I, I don't, but I don't see any reason to think they're going to go away either. And, and they're pretty aggressive and creative front office. So I, I think that they'll have a, an interesting summer ahead and, and, you know, we'll see where they're at next year, but I get, I get the spirit of it. I just think I don't, I don't see Carolina as quite the same thing at this point in time as Toronto, just cause you know, the, the Leafs are getting criticized largely for just losing in the first round. Rod Brindamore, by the way, was on that 2008-2009 Carolina Hurricanes team that was swept by the Pittsburgh Penguins. His second to last season in the NHL. Wow, there you go. Time flies. It does. Uh, Kegplant underscore Wizard 19. At the risk of this query being asked previously, thank you for asking that question on Discord, by the way. Uh, I'll ask anyways, what would you consider fair value for getting one of the core four or five from the Leafs? For the sake of brevity, I'll ask specifically about Austin Matthews, but feel free to delve into the others in the core if you'd like. Hope this finds y'all well and may the trail rise to, to meet your feet. I mean, I don't think you trade Austin Matthews. I'll just come and say it. Like, I, I just, he, he is, there isn't fair equivalent value. I mean, I guess we could cook up some number of first round picks and, and this and that and try to make it make sense. The odds are overwhelmingly against you ever getting a player back from that collection of what you get that, that doesn't rival what Austin Matthews is. So I, I, don't, I just don't think there's that much of a discussion about trading him. I suppose it's different if he does come and say to you, he wants out and he's not going to sign an extension. But I also don't think he wants to do that. Like, I can tell you, I, I'm very on top of the situation. <laughs> he wants to remain in Toronto. I don't know how many times I have to say it before people believe it. Um, you know, there's obviously a lot to be sort of, a lot of dust has to settle in terms of the front office and some of the decisions the team has. But I don't see any reason he's not staying in Toronto. I think it gets a little more interesting if you're trading one of the other members of, of the so-called core four. Like, I, I think that there's at least, you try to cook up a scenario where, you know, if you were ever to trade, say, Mitch Marner, you know, can you get at least one star quality player back? Um, and I, I don't know what that trade looks like. Honestly, I don't know what the market would yield for him. And it, it might be ultimately why you end up 
where we've talked about where they just don't move any of them because it's just not, they can't get enough back to make it make sense. So while we all might sit here and say like this, they could maybe use a little shake up there. You know, I, I'm not sure it's happening. And I, I really don't think, you know, the one place, maybe I was going to say, if you're going to do like Austin Matthews, maybe the Leafs would have something to think about if Chicago, for whatever reason, basically said, here's a Connor Bedard pick. I, I'm not saying that will ever happen. And please don't, it's not a report, but when you're talking about like, what could it take? Something like that would be intriguing, but then it would also, it would have to be contingent on Austin signing an extension and all these things that I, I just don't think that's going to, Chicago's not in that stage. That's not what they're going to do. But if in a hypothetical world, if the, if a team that you Austin might've been willing to sign with had of got the number one overall pick, maybe there's a discussion there. And even then I'm not sure it's a long one, but that, that that's, that's a good hypothetical to have, you know, if you're having a Friday night discussion with your buddies over a cold drink or something that, that like, like what would you rather have, you know, I'll, I'll get, I'll okay. leave you with that. Uh, this is a good segue into a question I want to get to from Mark Cavallo because you mentioned, hey, don't 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 put the idea that, you know, Connor Bedard for Austin Matthews out there. Uh, let me read this one. How powerful do you feel, Julian, knowing you can send an entire fan base into a frenzy just by asking Columbus Beat reporter uh, Aaron Portsline if they would be willing to trade their first rounder for Elias Lindholm? I don't know if you've seen a rumor going around, but a couple different Calgary outlets have been discussing the idea of Elias Lindholm, uh, who is scheduled to be an unrestricted free agent next summer, of the idea of trading him for the third overall pick in the draft, which Columbus currently holds. And some people are wondering, hey, is that an idea? Is it a rumor? What's going on? Is that a thing? That all started because of a mailbag column I put out last week in which I asked Aaron Portsline, because someone asked me that question, if that made any sense. And there was a blurb that he wrote Basically saying, you know, hey, if you're able to get him extended, maybe you could make a trade work, and maybe all you have to do is put together a deal that has the third overall pick, Elias Lindholm, and a second round pick. Which I saw that, and I'm like, really? That's that's it? Like, I, I don't know if that's something legit, but I just want people to know that's not, like, something that's being, like, discussed. It was just a hypothetical that has since snowballed into a talking point. That's funny because someone else, someone like brought that up to me, like totally not involved in what you've just laid out. It's so funny. I, I don't know how these things start. I mean, this is, I guess we're moving into rumor season, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I understand from a very high level why you might be like, you know, reuniting Lindholm and, and Johnny Goodrow might make sense. But I sort of feel like Columbus needs the pick too, right? I mean, they, they need... I suppose they're in a funny spot because they do have some veteran players signed to contracts, but I, I just don't see how they could win by trading for older, too many older people giving up that kind of future. But I don't know if there's anything to that. Maybe you and Portsline started something by accident, or maybe, maybe you're like the energies in the world and you're, you're, you're tuned into something that could actually happen. I, I don't, I can't tell you. I, I haven't heard that any credibly from any credible places. And, not that and, you're and not credible. <laughs> no, but that but that's but that's the point I want to bring up. Like it's not something that was like kicked around by a scout and they like texted one of us and said, "Okay, this could happen." Like this is not I just want that clarified. It's not something that is being I mean, as far as we know, to that level. This was just purely a hypothetical and people are just running with it. That being said, like I look at it from the Calgary standpoint in that 
if your intention is to compete, while yes, having a player like a Leo Carlson who could be an Elias Lindholm down the line makes some sort of sense, do you want to enter next season with Nazem Kadri and Michael Backlund as your centers? What is your contingency plan? Like, like Craig Conroy said, like Elias Lindholm was a player you build around. Like that's, I, I don't know if they would be so inclined to do that unless Elias Lindholm was like, you know what? Get me out of here. I'm not playing in Calgary uh, after beyond this next season. And even then, like if you're Columbus, you're right. Like, would they want to, they're not Elias Lindholm away from being a contender. And like, that's how I see it. And I don't know if that just makes sense, but maybe I'm wrong. I, I don't know. I just, I just want to clarify that it wasn't, we, we weren't trying to start a rumor. I just want that clarified. Well, Lindholm's going to be an interesting discussion for the Flames. I mean, obviously he's Absolutely. getting a big, getting a big raise on where he is now, a little less than 5 million on the cap. And, you know, it's a big decision for him. This, this is, this is his time. Like he's, he's entering what was Nazem Kadri's free agent year. Or even if you go back, you know, to, to, you know, Zach Hyman, when he left the Leafs, like guys that are at the end of their twenties, who've obviously had success in the league and made some money, but this is going to be their chance where, where they really set the set generations of, of their family up. Um, and, and a lot of things have to line up for that. Obviously the money, the financial part is important, but where you live, where you play and all that, that sort of thing will have to be worked out and, and we'll see where those discussions go once they, once they're really underway. Dallas stars fan on discord. I have a legal sports question. I'm actually curious how you answer this. If Uh-oh. a player if a player purposefully injures another player, why doesn't that player ever end up getting charged with assault or get sued? I'm sure it's a union thing, but like what if Jamie Ben injures Mark Stone and the Stars come back to win? And why can't Stone or the Knights sue Ben? If a free safety just lays out a crossing wide receiver, gets flagged and thrown out of the game, Everyone in the world knows it's wrong, and the wide receiver never plays again and was likely going to earn a $40 million contract. Why can't the injured players sue for lost wages? Well, there are no lost wages would be one thing I would say is is the contracts in NHL are fully guaranteed. So if a player unfortunately is injured and has to miss the rest of his career, you know, he doesn't technically lose wages, if, especially if he has future years on his contract. Now, you might say what happens if he's in a free agent year and he doesn't have a future contract and i am not sure maybe in those cases there could be a legal aspect to it the truth is i don't know the answer to this and i think the more i say the more likely i i'm going to say the wrong thing um but you know it is an you know it's it's a league that has a collectively bargain agreement about the rules of how it's engaged um you know the players are, are part of that and they agree to be part of that league so i don't i don't know if something so egregious could happen that it could rise to that level, uh, I just hope we don't see it because that's not going to be good for anybody. Okay. Uh, here for sports news on Twitter, when is the live show in Coburg? Ooh. I don't know. I mean, that that's not really my thing to say. I mean, I, I'm, I'm pretty available, but uh, we I need to maybe poke the bosses that be to make that kind of thing happen. I have to say, you you you've got a little bit more sway on this than me, so uh, I don't mind you poking around. It'd be fun. It'd be fun. Let's hope we get it done. Uh, Dev Duck underscore twenty. Do you see the Winnipeg Jets sticking with their big guns for one more year, or are they sellers this off season? I mean, I, I think that they're going to at least gauge the market. I mean, they'd be kind of crazy not to. Um, you know, just where, where they're at, but I, I don't know how all that's going to unfold. I, I think that, 
the one thing I will say is I do think we're we're ripe to have a pretty good trading market. I think by the end of June into the start of July, you know, for a couple of factors, there's teams like the Jets that have some big decisions on players. I mean, the Calgary Flames in the same spot with players that are one year out from free agency. You know, Toronto to, to a lesser degree. We'll see, you know, how things shake out with their top guys. There's a few others in the league. And and we don't have the deepest free agent pool um, for teams that are looking for upgrades. And so I think I think that that will push – it will push in more – more chaos into the, the, the trading pool. So I, I don't know yet if Winnipeg even knows where it's going, to be honest, but I think they have to at least, you know, have exploratory conversations and see, I mean, Pierre-Luc Dubois, he's one year away from potential UFA, right? And they have to sign him first of all, or tender him a, a, uh, a qualifying offer. And, you know, th- there's a chance he, he doesn't intend to sign there long-term. I mean, so if, if they get that definitive word from him, that's a big decision to make and potentially a, a trade that they're going to have to try to execute. Two more for you before we wrap this one up. Uh, from Jet from Australia. Has Gary, the league, made an official decision on if the Cup can go to Russia this year? I'm assuming it's the same case as last year, but haven't heard any official word heading into the Stanley Cup final. Much love from Down Under. Appreciate the question. Love the support from down under. Um, I would be, I would be stunned if the Stanley cup was going to Russia this year. Um, I just, I don't see what would have changed in the last year. I, I presume, you know, Gary Bettman will speak before game one of the Stanley cup final as he always does. So that's going to be this Saturday. Um, and I'm sure that's one of the questions that, that he will field at that time. But I, I would, I don't see any reason to think that would change. I mean, the, the IHF men's world championship just wrapped up, but the, you know, the discussion over there is that it's going to be at least 10 years before Russia's allowed back in, no matter what happens with Ukraine. So, you know, that's, that's kind of the international sporting scene flavor. You know, I would say that, that the NHL hasn't been nearly as decisive, of course, on the issue. There's still Russian players, of course, playing in the league and all that sort of thing. But I, I just don't think they'll be permitted to take the trophy there. I don't think they're going to want to let that happen. And, I, quite frankly, I, I don't know when that would when it would happen again next. Like I, I, it might we might be talking years and years and years. Last one from the Maddie Pox on Discord. Curious to see your guys' opinion on this one. Let's say Vegas beats Florida for the Cup. Do you think Sergey Bobrovsky still gets the Con Smythe? I think he's got a chance, but it, it sort of depends how that goes down too. I mean, if if all of a sudden. You know, the, the, the clock strikes midnight at the start of the cup final and Bobrovsky's getting lit up for a bunch of goals. He's getting pulled in games. Well, then there's no there's no hope. But it, it could be a seven-game series. It could be a bunch of 2-1 losses where he's still brilliant, where his numbers look great, where he's clearly the the, the reason Florida got. Yeah, I, I think it's going to – I don't want to put any rules on this because I, I reserve the right to change my opinion, and there's a chance I'm actually voting. I, I don't know if I am, but there's, a, there's at least a chance I'm voting on this, so I don't want to – be seen as misleading anyone but I, I think for a losing player to win I, I almost feel like it has to go to a game six or seven like it has to get to the point where it's like if they won that last game we'd be giving it to them and they lost it so narrowly you know it's still maybe him um but you know Vegas has you know whether it's Jack Eichel or you know, I think that there's going to be some some good Vegas choices in the event that they get to the cup final I mean let's let it play out a little bit but I I would say this Bobrovsky for me has been good enough 
that I, I would be considering him in a losing effort, depending on how the loss unfolds. Uh, five players in NHL history have won the Conn Smythe in a losing effort. Do you know? They're usually goalies. Oh, yeah. Ron Hextall, J.S. Jaguar. Um, he's the last I'm, one. I'm saying, but I'm saying that it's usually a goaltender. It's actually usually in the circumstances we're talking about where the goalie has really gotten his team so far and so close. And Hextall, I believe it was 87. It was a seven-game series in the final. It's kind of proving my point, right, is that I think it almost has to be those circumstances. Otherwise, it'll go somewhere else. But, I mean, that's why we're going to watch the games. I mean, I – I, I hate to. I love the discussion because I, I think it's interesting, and I see I've seen a lot of Kachuk versus Bobrovsky. Like I'm a little surprised. Like I'm not taking anything away from Matthew Kachuk, and obviously he's got sort of a narrative like the clutch goals. Like, you can't ignore that three overtime winners already in the playoffs. But for me, Bobrovsky is is their Conspice favorite entering the final. Like I, I I would have a hard time honestly building a case against him right now. But there's, you know, there's four to seven more games to go, and and he could get pulled in three of them. Like again, I'm not predicting that, but who knows? Hockey's a crazy sport, and it's it's the MVP of the entire playoffs, not just the first three rounds. So we got to still see what happens. Probably has to do with the marketability with with Matthew Kachuk, right? The fact that he's become the star, or more maybe on the verge of being a superstar, maybe uh, that probably plays into it. But yeah, the, the three game winners in the Carolina series, the three overtime winners throughout the playoffs, like. I, I, there's definitely a case for him, but you're right. Sergey Bobrovsky is the reason why they're in the position they're in. Absolutely. Right. And, and Matthew has been a dominant player. Like if you look at the underlying numbers and everything, like a, a lot of good things are happening with him on the ice and Florida's not getting scored on when he's out there. Now, some of that's because he's got a great goaltender. Let, let's face it. Hockey. Yeah. This all fits together in a big chain. Um, but I, I just, yeah, you know, for me, there's there's no question. Bobrovsky's my Florida favorite at the moment, but it, you know, game one of the Cup final, six five, and he's Bobrovsky's letting in some poor goal. Like it could change, it could change really quickly. I mean, that's we're reacting to what we're seeing in real time. Imagine Alex Lyon ends up like coming in relief. The playoffs began with Alex Lyon in debt for the Florida Panthers, and imagine a scenario where he is the Panthers' hope in the Cup final. Do you know how the playoffs began, which is actually funny? Uh, well, not began, but the round two, uh, the first game was in Toronto that Florida played. And Bobrovsky actually stayed out later at the morning skate than Lyon. I remember that. And, and I just I just tweeted it. I was I just said, like, basically, like, I don't know. Every team does this different, but most often the starting goalie's off first. Mm-hmm. I, anyway, I didn't tweet it like he's starting, but... Alex Lyon actually came up to me later in the playoffs and he's like, his phone just blew up because of that one tweet. All his buddies are like, are you starting? Are you starting? And then he said, like, he said he had like a brief moment where he was like, am I starting? Like, like, like he'd almost like planted like a small seed of doubt in his mind. Uh, it just turns out Bobrovsky's a workhorse and, and what have you. Uh, but yeah, that's, it's crazy. What a crazy sport. The whole thing is, I mean, it was nuts that Alex Lyon won the six or seven games in a row that basically got them in the playoffs, you know, Started the playoffs for them. Bobrovsky's now had this miracle run. I mean, who knows? Maybe maybe Lionel will see more ice time by the end of it. We probably wouldn't have started the season predicting Aiden Hill might be the goaltender of record uh, on the other side of the cup final here. So, I mean, it's just a not-so-sport not at times. You don't need the goaltender to get you through the playoffs. You need a goaltender to get you through the playoffs. And I don't think... 
I think this playoffs more than any other postseason, uh, that uh, quote rings true. Probably more than any other postseason I've seen, or at least one in a long, long time. Uh, and you've got a lot gonna, of teams yeah. building your team that way, right? Like you've got a lot yep. of places where teams are trying to get two legit options and they don't know which is the one, one A, one B, two, whatever you call it. I mean, I think there's more and more teams that are trying to prepare for for this kind of outcome. Exactly. And that's going to do it for the Monday edition of the CJ show. We'll be back on Thursday with a brand new episode. Subscribe to the podcast, however you listen to podcasts and uh, keep it locked here. We might have more news to talk about on Thursday, uh, more shenanigans. Uh, will CJ have caught up on succession by uh, the Thursday episode? I haven't started for what it's worth, but uh, people say it's very good, but uh, we'll get to Ted Lasso though. You're up on Ted Lasso. So Thursday, we might have to mention Ted Lasso. Yeah, I mean, we got another episode dropping Wednesday, so I'll, I and I will not miss it on Wednesday. I can tell you that much. No. I'll find time to watch it. So exactly. I'm thinking of doing Coach Beard for Halloween. You would do well with Coach Beard. I think I could pull it off. You could do it well. Also, the episodes drop Tuesday, not Wednesday, unless you just only get to them Wednesday. I usually watch Wednesday. Yeah, that's why because I get them on because like I I get them on Tuesday. Well, I mean, you live in another time zone. Yeah, that's it. That's what my guess is anyway. you stay up later than I do, too. Uh, sometimes. For CJ, I'm Julian. So long. Uh, enjoy uh, this week. And uh, once we get to the end of the week, enjoy the Stanley Cup Finals. The Chris Johnson Show. Powered by Sports Interaction. Want to bet? Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter at ReporterChris. And follow Julian McKenzie at JK McKenzie. The Chris Johnston Show.